the one of the first questions you should be asking as as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a manager is, can I trust these people? You know, can I trust them to show up? Can I show them, trust them to do their work? Can I trust them to be truthful with me, to challenge my opinions, you know? Because if you're surrounding yourself with yes men, that's gonna stifle your growth, it's gonna stifle your ability. Welcome to another episode of Young Entrepreneurs with the Greener Team. My name is Nelson Fernandez, your host, and today we're joined by one of our managers, Tanner Clark. How are you today, Tanner? I'm doing excellent. Fantastic. So, Tanner, to get today kicked off, would you like to tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yep. I joined the Green Roof back in the fall of 2021. I joined as part of a team that was affiliated with um, Nelson and other members on the Green Roof team. They had a senior design project that was affiliated with the Green Roof team, and I joined them with that project. Additionally, I joined them in the wind turbine, the Green Roof Wind Turbine Project, where I focused on material selection and manufacturing processes. So that was how I got involved in Green Roof Team, and yes, the rest is history. Here we are now. Uh, besides that, for my day job, I am an operations trainee for Archer Daniels Midland Company. Sweet. So everyone, you got a special episode today. We'll be taking a topic from Kevin Johnson's The Entrepreneur Mind book, specifically required criticism and disagreement in your company. So getting today's conversation kicked off, Tanner, I found a quote from the book by Muhammad Gandhi. Honest disagreement is often a good sign of progress. So when you hear this, what do you think about? Yeah, I think... The first thing that comes to my mind when I hear that quote, first part of the quote being, you know, honest disagreement, I think that that is built on a foundation of respect. You know, I think that the majority of, of times when you are speaking with a peer, your coworkers and colleagues, and especially your superiors, like say your managers in a business, in order for there to be that honest disagreement and, and open constructive criticism, there needs to be a mutual respect between both parties. When that respect and additionally that trust isn't there, I don't think that anyone is truly honest with one another, you know, because they're thinking, oh, what if this person thinks less of me or what if there are consequences for my dissenting opinion? But when we can trust one another to actively listen to our concerns and when we respect one another's opinion and actually, you know, heed what they have to say, that creates an environment where we can speak up and where we can offer those criticisms 
by offering the criticisms, we can move forward and we're making progress. Otherwise, you're really at a stalemate as a company, as an organization, um, and within your projects. Cool. I couldn't agree more. In any team setting, trust is always a top priority. Ensuring everyone mm-hmm. can not only be on the same page because there's always going to be disagreements on every idea there could be. Um, but if you have that trust, you can always come to compromises and build that pathway together. Trust is is one of those most critical aspects between the team. You know, when you're building the team, the one of the first questions you should be asking as, as a leader, as an entrepreneur, as a manager is, can I trust these people? You know, can I trust them to show up? Can I show them, trust them to do their work? And also very importantly, as the author brings up, can I trust them to be truthful with me to challenge my opinions, you know? Because if you're surrounding yourself with yes men, that's going to stifle your growth. It's going to stifle your ability. And the author brings that up very directly with with his own examples of his own company. Absolutely. So, Tanner, what are some ways you can, when recruiting a team, ensure that you're not only having yes men, but having people who will, as you said, challenge you? You know, that's that's great. I think that's something that I'm continuing to to ask myself, you know, and it's one of the reasons why I'd say it's the primary reason why um, this topic intrigued me from the book, because it's something that I need to continue to work on. I think that a good start is to, you know, explicitly tell the people on your team, hey, I am okay with uh, disagreement. I want to hear disagreement and I want to hear your concerns. Even before I hear, you know, consensus and agreement, everybody's saying, oh yeah, this is great, you know? So I think it's important to mention that. I also think that an important aspect goes to that respect and that trust as well, like we already mentioned. Uh, I think a lot of people, when you criticize or disagree with their ideas, they take that as a personal attack. You know, they they think that, oh, you don't like my idea, which, you know, may not be true if you, if you disagree or if you have a criticism of it, but you know, we might jump to the conclusions and say, oh, this is an attack on my, on, on my idea. My idea is not good. And therefore it's also an attack on like myself, you know, like my ego, my reputation, what have you, you know? So I think it's important to also encourage within your teams, a culture and an attitude that says we are not our our worth is not just based on our ideas or our successes you know there's there's so much more to our experiences 
and to the wisdom that we can share with one another besides like when we've been right, you know? So I think encouraging that open descent as well as like even after the fact, kind of another flip side of this is when something goes wrong, you kind of brush it under the rug and you move on instead of really analyzing your failure, you know, looking at all the failure modes and, and the effects there um, to really dig into that and, and to fail, face your failure so that you can learn. That makes a more resilient company and a more resilient team, just like Open Disagreement does. And when you bring up finding that why and deep, digging deeper, I thought about the five whys in the fishbone diagram and just continuously asking why and what is causing this and why is it happening this way to try and find that root cause. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So say you're in a team environment and you bring up ideas, everyone agrees with you. Do you have any ideas um, on understanding if everyone's in agreement with you as yes men or if they did buy into the idea? Is there a way to distinguish between the two? Yeah. Nelson, I think you do a very good you have a very good method of, of encouraging that. And it's whenever you're talking about ideas and proposing things to specifically the management team um, over the summer, you often have people repeat back what you say in their own words, right? So, I mean, first off, that mentions and that requires their comprehension and their understanding of, of the, the topic at hand, of the idea at hand. And then further, it should be able to tell you what is their perspective on it, you know? What did they find important with that idea? And how can we use that to refine and potentially revise the direction in which we choose to go? You know, like, it's okay. Sometimes there are pretty basic decisions that yeah you you can clearly find a a good answer and probably like the right answer the best answer but especially when you get into these big directional decisions for the company the kinds of stuff that i would say the entrepreneur the manager the product leader the stuff they should be focused on i don't think that there's one perfect solution you know so to, to make people go a step beyond just like nodding their head or saying yes or whatever, you know, do whatever you can to like to coax out more of those thoughts and more of that retention. So I think just having people repeat things back to you is a, a good start to, to open that up, even if people agree. Awesome. Um, you know, I didn't think about, um, asking someone to like repeat back what idea I bring up to see their perspective. I can just like, perhaps in the beginning when I first began doing that, that's what my motive was, but honestly it just became natural since then. Um, sure. and well, and I think that's an excellent way to, to teach people. Um, 
because I think that I think that teaching is one of the most critical aspects of leading any project or any organization because you can't do it all on your own. You need to be able to teach people to to do other tasks than you can delegate. So, and I think that that, that repetition um, is teaching. It's a teaching tool, and it's also hopefully opening up to revisions of ideas. And even if that means disagreeing, especially hopefully if that means disagreeing. But anyway, I'll get you off. So no, you're good. You're perfect. Um, definitely agree on the revision side um, because the more that people can add to something, it can be built up differently. Um, not necessarily maybe going in a certain direction, but seeing what kind of pathways we can go on. Just like if you're going down, say, a trail, and it can branch off in so many different ways, and the question becomes like, oh, which way is the right way? But instead, the question, I believe, is which way do we want to go together? Um, yeah. Earlier today, mm-hmm. that was with one of our interns offboarding her and bringing mm-hmm. feedback. And usually feedback is, oh, let's talk about all the good stuff and then anything that went wrong and how to improve upon it. The good stuff, always easy. But finding the bad is always tricky. And the first few times, um, since our previous cohorts, we just wouldn't have a lot of bad feedback and ways on improving upon it. Um, instead, it felt like pulling out teeth. But this time around, I had the questions out. I had questions that was tailored directly to her general questions to help not fish it out, but instead hear her hear their perspective on what they think about it. Like, oh, do you feel you used a lot of technical skills? They were mentioning skills and then, okay, what about these skills specifically? And then just kind of like weeding out and trying to like navigate and see, oh, what kind of perspectives do they have on it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that that's great. I think that that creates much more valuable data to us, you know, and and insights into our company. Um, That kind of makes me think of, you know, key performance indicators. If you've got these standard questions that you're asking uh, and maybe you can't, maybe with a lot of these, we can't like quantify it. So we can't have quantitative data, data, but we certainly have qualitative data. And that's, that's useful as well. It helps to us to, to build our own perspectives. And so about, about KPIs, I was actually talking with um, one of the quality managers, well, the quality manager at um, the flower mill today. We were talking about KPIs and, you know, her and I definitely reached the point we're talking about, you know, if you're hitting 100% or, or, or up to like your 90s, and like everything's in the green with your KPIs. Honestly, that's not good. It just means that you're not looking at the right things. You know, you're not paying attention to the right things within your operation that need addressed and need the attention so they can be approved. And I think the disagreements and criticisms are exact same. Is the exact same idea. You know, if you're just having people saying, "Yeah, yeah, we're good. We should do that." Um, you're just not, you're not pushing your organization to be all that it can be, you know? Yeah. Couldn't agree more. A lot of KPIs and on, like, say, let's take social media. If we can hit numbers, that's great, but then how can we move forward? So 
I think KPIs are great and in your situation, it can be counterintuitive, but I feel it's more about like, oh, let's just hit a goal, find the next goal, hit the next goal, and just keep moving forward and see how much better we can get. And if yep. you hit it, got set higher. Does that sound about right? Yes, and and also most importantly, we need to make sure that these goals that we're making for ourselves are actually adding value. You know, adding value to the customer, adding value to our supply chain or our value chain. You know, because uh, otherwise, especially with a really really tangible downside to saying yes to everything is a creep in scope, right? And a bloat and a bloating of organizational operations because we're going to say, oh, yes, we're going to add that. Yes, we like this idea. Yes, we, you know, are going to keep all these things. And then, like we mentioned before, maybe some of them don't work. Maybe some of them have overstayed their welcome. They're not really needed anymore. But like nobody's willing to bring that up and say, hey, this needs to change, or hey, we got to cut this out, you know? So then everybody just gets weighed down with all these processes and unnecessary things, and you forget what's actually important, what is actually growing the company, you know? And how do you keep yourself centered when you've got all these, all these various interests around you, you know? So you need those people like pull back on the reins, you know, to say, Hey, we need to, we need to think this through a little bit more, you know, you gotta have, you gotta have those guys who are balancing out anybody who's, you know, just trying to go get her per se. And, uh, they just want to take everything on. You gotta have those balances. Absolutely. So coming towards the end of today's episode, I have one more topic pre-prepared. Um, Tanner, how do you define constructive criticism and what does it mean to someone who may have yes men around them? Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, the base level is it's just offering a different perspective or a disagreement with good intentions, you know, that you want to use to build somebody up and you're not just, you know, digging at them for the sake of, of making them feel low, you know, but I think the, the key to truly constructive and helpful criticism is to give them a why, give an explanation as to why this criticism is being offered and then give them a how give give that person a, a how you can improve or you know perhaps a what you need to be aware of so that you can take those steps to get moving in the right direction you know because if you're if you are just criticizing without any intent of, of building someone up or seeing improve you're just complaining you know and and that's not helpful that's just bringing people down. So instead, let's let's build people up. Cool. Have you ever heard about a constru constructive criticism sand sandwich before? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the good, 
I mean, kind of like good, bad, good, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, usually it's in a five-step process, beginning with some positive comments, giving praise to the person, then comes in the criticism, but then reminding the person like, oh, remember you have all these strong, strong points, and then finishing it off with <clears throat> an area for improvement, leaving on a positive note. Like, for example, if you're strong in this area, Here's your criticism. Remember, you can use this type of strength or build a new strength in this new area to help tackle this criticism. Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, I think that that method is very good in pretty much all circumstances. It's a great general guideline, and I think it's probably important or even necessary when you are working with those you don't know exceptionally well, or you haven't known for a long time. Now, I would say if you have someone in your company that has, has good self-esteem, good, healthy self-esteem, like they're not going to be shattered by some criticism. And probably if they have like some experience in their job or in their field, I think that it's okay to be a little more direct or blunt with, with your criticism. And maybe this is just in my personal opinion, you have to read the room and there's context to everything. But like, for example, Nelson, if I were talking to you or anybody else in the manager team, I, I honestly wouldn't be too hesitant to say like, Hey Nelson, uh, this is crap. <laughs> this is not, this is not working at all. We, and then I would go back and say, we need to try this, you know? So it's like, I don't just want to offer a problem. I also want to, you know, get us pointed towards a solution, you know, because mm -hmm. I still want to be helpful with it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I would say I wouldn't be too afraid to be direct. And I would certainly hope that, that you or uh, anyone else in the manager team would, would feel the same way about, about direct criticism towards me, you know, because I know I know that all of you guys mean it in a good intent. You know, I, I know that nobody's gonna try and get a thing at me for no reason, because like, why would you? You know, if if we're just hurting one another, we're hurting the entire team, hurting the company. So And I feel that know. comes with the trust that we build up the past year or two. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, we're going back to trust again. I think that that's going into the trust that everybody has the best intentions with it and that you can trust one another to put things in in the best light but to be honest with one another cool. so tanner wrapping up today's episode on positive criticism and disagreement in your company do you have any final words for the audience listening right now yeah i do i do um so you talked a little while back about, you know, diverging paths and, you know, like as a project develops, there are many ways they can go. Um, that kind of got me thinking as well as your, your next example with your exit interview about how crucial diversity of all types is within an organization or within leadership. Um, because another another critical component to 
And like healthy disagreement and criticism is diversity of thought and having those different perspectives. You know, we, we touched on that a little bit, but, but just leaving the audience with, with this, uh, to invite those different perspectives is going to, I, I believe in the long run, it will strengthen your company, strengthen your projects. And additionally, it will strengthen yourself by perhaps making you more open-minded, you know, and, and challenging you to address those, those biases that you might have within your own perceptions based on how someone talks or how someone looks, you know, um, me personally, I came, I came from a town of 500 people, you know, and the population was fairly homogenous to, to put it that way, if you know what I mean. But, you know, moving to Carbondale, meeting a lot more people and moving here to St. Louis, I've, I've met a lot of people who have been brought up in a lot of different ways. Um, some of it I don't prefer, I don't agree with, but uh, all of it makes me think different. And I hope that I continue to keep an open mind to observe myself and observe those actions, you know, like what, what influences my decisions so that in turn, you know, whether it's within my personal relationships or within company matters, I can continue to have a more holistic view of, of everything. And I think that that will improve our longevity and improve our success. Sweet. <clears throat> I couldn't agree more. And I feel three good takeaways from today that Frank, we talked about was building trust in teams. You allow for great communication and open conversations, being mm -hmm. able to focus on ways on diverging path, not necessarily um, just looking at options, but seeing what everyone is bringing up and finding paths that everyone can fit well together. And then thirdly, just being able to have great conversations and understand and empathize with one another. So Tanner, yeah. thank you again for coming onto the show today. Always a pleasure. Sweet. And everyone listening, remember, you can find our website in the description and other episodes as well. And remember, stay sustainable.